28th, and this is August 31st, 2019, in Dublin, Ireland, Bhagavad Gita, Chapter 12, Text 13 through 20. So as uh, devotee, some of you may know, named Srimati and Vrindavan was telling me recently, she said, it's not just thinking of Krishna, but it's being dear to Krishna. The demons may think of Krishna, but we want to also become dear to Krishna. So this is the process of becoming dear to Krishna. And the Acharyas explained that this is the qualities of the bhakta who have attained peace. Remember how important peace was, yes? That we're not going to be able to really think of Krishna unless we have peace. So why is this why are these verses here in this chapter where Krishna is talking about the path? Because this these qualities are the symptoms of peace. If someone's peaceful, they're going to be demonstrating these qualities. And peace can be done by doing the external limbs of bhakti, or it can be done through karma yoga, jnana yoga, jnana yoga, and realizing the self in God. So these give rise to the qualities that enable one to do abhyas yoga uh, and eventually to go the bridge to raganuga bhakti. So in Prabhupada's purport, to 12, 13, 14. He says all these qualities enable him to fix his mind and intelligence entirely on the Supreme Lord. Such a standard of devotional service is undoubtedly very rare, but a devotee becomes situated in that stage by following the regular principles of devotional service. So if we want to know how well do I fix my mind on Krishna, how do I actually be in sadhana bhakti and fix my mind on Krishna, it's a question of developing these qualities. And these qualities develop when I am working for Krishna, when I am working to try to please Krishna, when I see Krishna as the proprietor, when I see Krishna as the boss. So again, this is the bridge from Krishna Karmani, from doing, the, from doing bhakti externally to doing bhakti internally. It's this bridge of peace which is attained when one tries to cultivate these qualities. So the relationship of peace to qualities, we have the word satatam, meaning always. And, and this is a, a very important point. This is something I actually learned uh, from the Christian writer C.S. Lewis, who talks about uh, the value of peace, the value of freedom from fear and of courage in manifesting any good quality. So I, if, we, if we think about ourselves, I'm sure we're all honest people here. I don't think any of us are thieves, but are any of us completely, fully, absolutely honest? Anybody here? Or, you know, we're all kind people. I'm sure we're all kind, but are we completely, absolutely kind? No. So if we think about the last time that we were dishonest or the last time that we were unkind, and if we think about what prompted us to switch from being kind to unkind or from honest to dishonest, we'll find it's always fear. We're afraid that if we're kind or if we're honest that we'll lose something that we want or we won't get something that we want. Can you think about everything? Think about the last time you were really unkind or the last time you were dishonest. And you find there was some sort of fear involved. Oh, I'm not going to get what I want or I'm going to lose something that I have. And ultimately, the fear that's experienced is it, it has to do with our mundane identity. It has to do with our sense of security. 
in terms of I am this body and I'm part of this family, I'm part of this nation, I have this particular job to do and so forth. It's always in relationship to some identity in this world. So what happens is that to whatever extent we become fearful, to that extent we give up our good qualities. If you think about like people in Tamagun at the bottom, they become fearful very easily. And so people in Tamagun give up their good qualities very easily. Doesn't take much. In Rajagun, people are not as fearful, and therefore it takes much more for them to give up their good qualities. It's like the, the, le- the level of fear has to be higher. And in Sattvagun, people are again less fearful, and so the level of fear has to be higher. But even in Sattvagun, the essential principle is still me centered. In Tamagun, is I'm going to be happy by enjoying my senses and whatever is easy and cheap and simple. In Rajagun, I'm going to enjoy my senses by being a wonderful person in the world and I'm going to build a great human civilization and that's how I'm going to enjoy my senses. And in Sattvagun, I'm going to enjoy my senses by being peaceful and merciful and forgiving and equal poise within. But it's all about that I'm trying to enjoy my senses and I'm trying to be the center. And so it's all about having an identity within this world which is false and which is very fragile, and therefore we're very subject to fear. But, so there, but there's different la- levels of fear. And only when one has really understood Jivara, Swarabhaya, Krishna, and Yajidasa, I am a soul, my eternal servant of Krishna, does one get Abhayacharya, does one get complete fearlessness. In complete fearlessness, one has good qualities all the time. You can be honest all the time, you can be kind all the time, if you have absolutely no fear. And then one is really honest and kind to please Krishna. The other thing is that if we're having a material identity, then we're really honest and kind probably for our own purposes. And so what's actually is supreme in our life is our own purposes, our own security, our own stability, our own identity, our own survival. And so we're kind and honest when it facilitates our own survival, and when it doesn't, we're not. Therefore, we say that the non-devotee doesn't really have any good qualities. Obviously, non-devotees display all kinds of good qualities. But actually, what they're really displaying is simply self-survival. And the evidence of that is that if their survival is threatened enough, then the good qualities go away. So that means the, the ultimate what they're ultimately interested in is their own security. Does this make sense to everybody? Yes. So the more that we give up fear, the more that we develop these qualities, and the more we work on developing these qualities, the more we give up fear. So it it goes kind of in a circle. So when we talk about the general quality of peace, we're saying be peaceful, what does that mean? What peacefulness means is these qualities that are listed here. Some of these qualities are what we would call external behaviors. Some of them are internal ways of thinking. Because Krishna had just said at the end of the last section, Trajik Shantir Anantaram, that one at the end of renunciation is peace. And you might say, well, well, what does that look like? It's kind of a vague term. What does it look like? So the Acharyas say that then Krishna gives these qualities to describe this is what peace looks like. Now, another point that, that's important before we get into the qualities is many times Srila Prabhupada says that good qualities come automatically by bhakti. At the same time, 
It's part of our bhakti to work to develop these good qualities. And the comparison can be to vegetarianism. Srila Prabhupada often says that a devotee is automatically a vegetarian. But that doesn't mean you don't read labels. It doesn't mean you go to the shop and you just pick anything up. You, know, you just close your eyes to the shop and just throw anything into your cart and go through the store chatting Hare Krishna with your eyes closed and say, well, if I'm doing bhakti, I'm automatically a vegetarian. But as part of our bhakti, we read the labels. Make sense, everybody? Yes? So I'm offering to Krishna not just yogurt. I'm offering to Krishna myself. So I want to read the labels on myself. Make sure I'm a fit offer. All right. Now we're going to get into the qualities. So I've taken these verses, 13 through 20, and I've reorganized them into four categories. And as Krishna says with all these verses, this person is very dear to me, this person is very dear to me, this person is very dear to me. I organize them in a category with the anacronym dear. Um, one of the other members of our Shastrik Advisory Council, Chaitanya Charan, I don't know if you've ever met him, he does this all the time. This is like his thing. So I don't do this all the time, but here it just kind of jumped out at me, and I'm like, yes! So uh, we have some qualities that refer to detachment above duality, some that refer to endeavor and focus, some that refer to our attitude as a servant of God, and some that are about our relationship. So, as again, I, I've taken the qualities from these verses and I've resorted them into these categories. So, this first one, attachment about duality. So, th- this is a recurrent theme in Bhagavad Gita and Bhagavatam. These lists of dualities that one should be detached from. You've noticed that? It comes up over and over again. So, we have happiness and distress and fear and anxiety. What's auspicious, what's inauspicious, joy and grief, desire and lamentation, honor and dishonor, fame and infamy, heat and cold, bodily pleasure and pain. So these are, how does one develop to be unaffected by them? We've already discussed this. This is just like you're walking down the street, you're not affected by the other people that passed you on the street. You're driving your car, you're not affected by the other cars that are going past you. You, you, don't, you don't try to enjoy them, nor do you try to kill them. You just simply let them be, and you let them come and go. And if one neither tries to enjoy these things nor destroy these things, then they come and go rather quickly. They hang around for a long time and bother us if we're trying to either hold them close or hold them away. Either way, we're holding them. Clear? Yeah? So if I'm like, yes, yes, I'm cold... I'm so cold. I'm so, so, so cold. You know, then you really feel the cold, yeah? Or if you're like, no, I don't want to be cold. No, I, no, I don't want to be cold. I don't want to be cold. I don't want to be cold. Either way, you're holding this absorption in cold. Or, I, oh my goodness, people are saying bad things about me. Oh, they're saying bad things about me. Oh, no, they're saying bad things about me. Oh, they're really saying bad things about me. Or, I don't want to think about all those bad things people are saying about me. You know, I just don't want to think about them. I'm going to talk about them. What's bad things people? So either way, we're holding it. Either we're holding it close or we're holding it far away. And to be unaffected, you're just not holding them at all. Just like they can come and go. So Balde Vijibhusha says he does not rejoice at gaining dear things. He does not show hatred upon attaining what is disagreeable. Does not lament on the destruction of what is dear to him. Does not hanker for what he does not have. Given up both pious and sinful actions because they are both causes of bondage. So, of course, generally the devotees do pious actions to please Krishna, but giving up pious actions means giving up the identity. 
I'm a good husband, I'm a good son, I'm a good banker. And in that way, giving up pious actions. Now, of course, this is also in Amana Shiksha, text two, which Prabhupada liked to quote. Oh, my dear mind, please do not perform the religious activities described in the Vedas or the sinful activities also designated in the scriptures. Oh, mind, engage yourself fully in serving Sri Sri Radhakrishna with love and devotion. Okay, our next category, endeavor and focus. So what's our endeavor and focus? Krishna is the supreme goal of life. Having determination to serve Krishna. Being self-controlled, which does not mean aversion. Uh, being very expert. I was just hearing this morning, Prabhupada was talking about how Sanatana Goswami wanted to cook a meal for Rupa Goswami. But he didn't have the ingredients, and so Radharani actually came and gave him the ingredients. He didn't realize it was Radharani at the time. And then he cooked this meal, and Prabhupada said, yes, the Goswamis were very expert. They were expert cooks also. I don't know when Sanatana Goswami had time to cook as a government minister, but anyway. But Prabhupada talks about how the devotee should be expert. He said, just because you're in Krishna consciousness doesn't mean you should be callous to material things. He said, the devotee should know something of everything and everything of something. Something of everything and everything of something. Uh, pure. So this means things like, you know, taking a bath, uh, what we eat, etc., what we watch. Not looking for a material result. So the result we want is Krishna's pleasure. Without cares. And Srila Prabhupada, in the purport to without cares, says don't join any faction. Don't join a faction. Don't take sides. You know, if, if Vaishnavas are on different sides of an issue, don't take sides. That doesn't mean you can't have an opinion, but don't get involved in some political faction. Yeah? You can certainly have an opinion. I was just recently had to upend my whole schedule because I was invited to a special meeting uh, to try to work out something of which, in which there are very strong factions. And I asked the organizer, why was I invited? And he said, because you're not political. I thought, oh, that's good. May, may his words become true. So I have a very strong opinion on the, on the issue. If I didn't have a very strong opinion, they wouldn't have invited me either. But hopefully we can have people with strong opinions who don't take sides and who are willing to come to some kind of agreement. So wouldn't it be nice if we did things like that? I mean, I hope this works. It may not work anyway. If even though, as individuals, we're going to have strong opinions. And there's going to be different ways that devotees have that they want to please Krishna. That's, that's there in Goloka. It's certainly going to be there in Iskand. You know, some people are going to say you're not allowed to play the guitar, and other people are going to say you should play the guitar. I mean, that's just... That's what it is. But we don't want to join some kind of camp and make it our thing, you know. Like I, I know one devotee that his 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 flag that he always waves is that we shouldn't have to wear devotional clothing. He doesn't even like that word, but we shouldn't have to wear dhotis and saris. And it's you know practically talks about it every day, all day. And I told him, I said, Prabhu, you know, you're going you're gonna to take birth as a tailor in Moy Bazaar, <laughs> making Western suits. And I'm, I'm actually serious about that. I said, you know, if you're not careful, that's what's going to happen. Because he's always talking about, you know, we don't have to, to dress all the devotees from shopping at Moy Bazaar. Constantly. So do not, not take sides. And mind and intelligence fixed on Krishna, as far as possible, because... This section is about people who haven't yet attained that higher level. Okay, attitude of a servant of God. So we've already 
talked about this quite a bit in terms of Krishna Karmani. But this idea of giving up designations and working to please Krishna rather than trying to work for having some material result according to our designations. So does not think himself a proprietor. It's not that this is my business, this is my family, this is my temple, this is my project, this is my whatever. But Krishna is the owner, he's the boss. I'm trying to please him. Devoid of the illusions arising from possessing a house. That's how Baladeva Jabushan puts it. Prabhupada talks about being unattached to any residence. You know, we're all here so temporarily. Right? We had we owned a house in, in Detroit and um, it was an old house. The kitchen counter was made of little hexagonal tiles. But it was old and they were coming out and the grout between the tiles would come out. So if you like rolled japati on the tile, part of the grout would stick to the japati. It was really nasty. And so when I went, uh, I traveled for a few days one weekend to attend the wedding of uh, some devotee's daughter. But I was the only one who went. The rest of my family didn't go. And my husband said, while you're gone, I'll replace the kitchen counter. Well, he got very enthusiastic. And uh, when I came back, I didn't have a kitchen at all. I just had a room that was destroyed. There was nothing in the room. And he said, well, you know, once I decided to replace the counter, I thought I could replace the cabinets. Once I decided to replace I took out all the cabinets. And once I took out the cabinets, I realized that the former owners had put 17 different layers of floor down. They just kept putting on a new layer of floor. So I took out all the layers of floor. You know, we were down to the baseboard and the drywall. And, oh, my God, Krishna. You know, come back from the weekend, it's like, where's my kitchen? Anyway, so then he worked on fixing. It was a very, very small kitchen. Very, very small. And when you had the cabinets on the walls, there was very little visible wall left because the whole room was very small and it had some windows in it. So the amount of wall space that was there probably had a total of a square meter in the entire room that was visible. And nevertheless, he and I got in a huge argument for several days about what color to paint that little bit of wall space. I mean, it was just a humongous argument. And I wanted to paint it lavender, and he said, no respectable person paints their kitchen lavender. And, and it was, you know, this big, 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 big. And uh, very soon after that, there was a building next to ours that was technically in the name of the temple, but it was actually owned by some devotees who couldn't get the bank credits to buy it on their own. And they had faulted on the payments, and the temple was going to lose their credit rating. And so the temple authorities came to my husband and I literally begged us, take over this, this house. So we did. We took over the payments which was, we got in, like, the bank was going to foreclose, like, literally in 10 minutes. Anyway, we took over the, the payments, and uh, we decided that we were going to have my husband's business in the first house and move into the second house. But the second house also needed a lot of work. So we hired somebody to, you know, repaint and all this kind of stuff. And uh, when the painter was coming and asking me, I said, you know, just paint whatever color you want. I said, just don't, don't even bother. I said, just not green, okay? Just please don't, don't do green. Any other color but green. And I said, you can put any tiles in the kitchen, but not white. So of course, what did he do? He put white tiles in the kitchen and green on the walls. But we only lived there for maybe a year. 
And after that, that experience, you know, I fought over the lavender in the kitchen, and then we moved to another house a few months later, and then the guy paints my walls green and puts white towel on my kitchen floor, and we moved out of that place a year later. And after that, I thought, oh, forget about this. This is ridiculous. You know, to be so attached to a house, this house, that house, it's got to be like this, and it's got to be like that, and I've got to have this perfectly like that, and these curtains like this, and this tile like this, and this fixture like this. It's like... You know, we're, we're here for eight billionths of a second of Lord Brahma. And, and we're, you know, we're, we're so like this and like that. And, you know, when you get attached to your house, you take birth again to be in your house. So, yeah. And free from false ego. False ego, I'm the controller, I'm the owner, I'm the doer. Always remember, Krishna's the ability in man, Krishna's our intelligence. Krishna's giving us our memory, forgetfulness. And not only that Krishna is the owner and I'm doing everything for Krishna and he's the proprietor and I'm not attached to anything in and of itself, I'm just attached to please Krishna, but also that everything Krishna does is good. Right? Isn't this part of the peace formula? So we have Bhokturam Yagatapasam, he's the enjoyer, Sarva Lokamaheshwaram, the Surudam Sarva he's controlling everything and he's my friend. So it's not only that he's the enjoyer, but he's the controller and he's my friend. So being always satisfied. I have a really hard time with this. Being always satisfied. I have an inner desire to always improve everything all the time. Really, really hard time. In fact, many times I have, you know, I have a PowerPoint, I've already taught it a hundred thousand times, and I open it up again, I, oh, I can fix that slide. I can fix this. I can do this. I can do this better. So to always being satisfied. I don't know if I'll achieve this before I die. I have no idea. But this, this concept of being, you know, that doesn't mean that you can't improve anything. But it means that you're also peaceful with whatever it is. And the three things particularly mentioned here by Krishna are food, money, and residence. So that, you know, whatever Krishna gives me is good. That I don't have to have exactly the food I like. I don't have to have exactly how much money that I would like. You know, they say that everyone always wants 10% more money than whatever they have. So, just kind of keep that in mind. You know, even if you're Bill Gates, you want more money. And, you know, whatever we may be living in. Again, it's not that you can't paint your walls and improve something. And it's not that you can't go in the kitchen and cook something that you like. But to be satisfied with whatever Krishna gives. I was um, waiting to board a plane a, a while ago and the plane was a little delayed, and so forth. And the guy behind me in the line was just complaining constantly. And the flight is late, and the flight is late, the mind's not moving, and I'm thinking, just be peaceful in the line, guy, you know? I mean, you're causing your own unhappiness. That's the point. So, if things are bad, we don't have to make them worse by going over and over again. And the next big category is relationships interaction. Having love, mercy, respect, and freedom. So aveshta means that a person does not have hatred even for those who hate oneself. Rather, one has friendliness toward the mitra. One is merciful to them, thinking that they should not end up in unfortunate circumstances, karuna. So, of course, this idea of loving your enemies is very strongly there in the Gospels. Yes, bless those that curse you, do good for those who hate you. If somebody 
takes your coat in the court of law, gives them your shirt. If they force you to go one mile, go two. If they slap you on one cheek, let them slap the other. So this is the principle of forgiveness. Forgiveness is, you do something nasty to me, I hope you are happy. If you have to learn something, I hope you learn it happily. It doesn't mean that we don't admit that somebody hurt us, but we can say, you know, you hurt me, I hope whatever you need to learn, you learn in a happy way. May there be good fortune for you. And this is very important because Suniti says, to Dhruva Maharaj, whatever we want for others comes back to us. So if we wish ill for those who do ill for us, it boomerangs and we get the very ill that we wish for others, so it's really a bad idea. And if we learn our lessons through suffering and pain and we're like, okay, Krishna's purifying And if we would like to be purified joyfully, then wish that your enemies be purified joyfully. If we're wishing that our enemies be purified through suffering, <laughs> I'm so glad there's a lot of karma. And you see, devotees post things like this on social media. You know, you don't have to do anything. Karma will get them. Making you fool. Why are you wanting to sick the pit bulls of karma on your enemies? Don't you know what happens? How, how, whatever we want for others, that's what happens to us. If we don't like what's happening to us, wish for others what you want for yourself. Do for others what you want for yourself and wish for others what you want for yourself. The best way to get a happy life is wish happiness to others and try to give happiness to others. That's how the world works. That's the law of the universe. Whatever you do for others, physically and mentally, is what we will experience. And whatever we are experiencing, it's what I've done for others, physically and mentally. Whatever I'm experiencing now, I have put that out on the physical or mental platform. And whatever I would like to experience, let me put that out on the physical and mental platform. It's such a simple thing. We're all supposed to believe this, yes? Isn't this our philosophy that we're all supposed to believe? I don't know. Do we believe it or not? I'm really not sure. Or maybe we believe it applies to everybody but me. You know, that everybody else is getting their boomerang, but not me. I, I can put out all this negativity, and I'm still going to have a happy life. It doesn't work out. Srila Prabhupada says, this person is acting as my enemy due to my own misdeeds, so it's better to suffer than to protest. Again, that doesn't mean I have to stand there while somebody's beating me to a pole. But the point is that I wish them well. I wish them well. And this is... Doing this is such a big step to being peaceful. I mean, the first time I ever tried to do this, I didn't feel it at all. I just did it because I understood that that was what I was supposed to do. This one when I was running a school and I had a parent yelling at me about something I can't even remember what it was. And while they were yelling at me, I was thinking, may he be happy, may he be happy, may he be happy, may he be happy. Krishna is arranging this for my purification, may he be happy. You are just simply the instrument. You are just the instrument. May you be happy. May you learn through joy. May you learn through joy. May you learn through joy. And all of a sudden I felt so peaceful. I was like, whoa, I was just doing that mechanically. And what would that be like if I was doing it from the heart? Family relations, non-possessiveness of children and wife, not thinking of the body as the self. That doesn't mean you don't take care of your family, but as Bhakti Vinod says, my friends, wives, sons, and daughters are now your servants and maidservants 
Whatever care I take for them is only as they are related to you. So I take care of my family because they belong to Krishna. They're Krishna's. It's like, you know, if I said to you, would you watch my child for five minutes, please? Can you watch my child for five minutes while I use the toilet? And you're watching my child. We're watching Krishna's children. My wife, my husband, my mother, my father, my children, my sisters, my brothers, my aunts, my uncles. They're all Krishna's. He's saying, would you watch them for me for a bit? Would you take care of them for me? Should I tell that story or not? It's hard to do. Tell a story? Yeah. Okay. This is a true story. So there was a very famous Jewish rabbi, and he had two uh, very learned, gentlemanly, well-behaved sons. This is a true story. Historic. Very learned, well-behaved, gentlemanly sons that were widely respected in his community, great scholars, very religious. And one day the rabbi was out teaching, and when he came, uh, while he was out teaching, both of his sons contracted some serious illness that killed him very quickly, maybe something like meningitis or something and when he came home, his wife said to him, she said, some time ago, a, a wealthy merchant was passing through here and asked me to keep two, two jewels for him until his return. So in, in those days, Pete, there weren't banks. You kept things, like it said, Rupa Goswami kept his gold coins with a merchant. So you, you had friends of yours that would take care of him. He said, the merchant asked me to keep these two jewels, and today he came asking for them back. What should I do? I said, well, of course, you have to return them. So this is the, the mood of the devotee. Like when Srivasa's son died in a kirtan, and, right, and the, the women were lamenting, and then the, the boy was brought back to life, and he said, I go wherever the Lord asked me to go, I belong to him. So people come into our lives, they leave our lives in various ways, they come and go, but they're all, they belong to Krishna, and we take care of them as our service to him. Just exactly like if someone said, hey, would you watch these? these jewels for me, would you watch, would you take care of this for me? Oh my, he by whom no one is put into difficulty. Prabhupada said, no one is put into difficulty, anxiety, fearfulness, or dissatisfaction by such a devotee. Since a devotee is kind to everyone, he does not act in such a way as to put others into anxiety. Of course, we may put others into anxiety without intending to. When I was running a school, one of my teachers who worked there was, was not an American citizen, and uh, he was teaching bhajans to the kids every day. So he asked me for copies of some of the bhajans. So I made photocopies, and I put them in a used envelope and put them on his desk. And the next day when I saw him, he was a nervous wreck. And he said, I can't teach you anymore. I'm going to have to leave the country. I'm like, what's going on? He said, well, you know, I haven't been paying all my taxes. I'm not really here legally, and now the government's after me. I said, oh, really? I said, how would you find this out? He said, well, that envelope you put on my desk. So, you know, I'd just taken a used envelope of some forms we'd gotten from the government and stuck the bhajans in there and put it on his desk without thinking, and the poor guy had 24 hours of total anxiety. So, you know, sometimes we put people <laughs> into anxiety without having any, any clue that we're doing it. But we should really be, be trying to be as careful as possible that we're not a source of anxiety for others. That when we're trying to get things done, this is particularly a problem, I think, for managers and leaders. You know, you're trying to get things done, and sometimes you're trying to get them done in the most efficient way possible which may not be the, the way that's going to not put people into anxiety. Then who is not disturbed by anyone? If others try to put a devotee into anxiety, he's not disturbed because a devotee is always engrossed in Krishna consciousness and engaged in devotional service. 
such material circumstances cannot move him. Generally, when a materialistic person is expecting some retaliation from an enemy, he is in a state of fear. So we're going to have enemies in this world, it's for sure. Guaranteed. We're going to. It doesn't matter what you do, where you live, what you know, there's no way to get around it. Someone's going to not like you. And, but not to be in a state of fear. Mari Krishna, Rake K. Rake Krishna, Mari K. If Krishna doesn't want this person to hurt me, they can't hurt me. And if Krishna lets them hurt me, that's his desire. And we already mentioned this, enjoy and avoids joining factions, and therefore one is carefree. So these are, Krishna calls them Dharma Amritam in 1220. And Baladeva Jibhushan says, of the nectarian path endowed with good qualities. Vishnu Chagavati Thakur says this means the nectar of these qualities, and one with these qualities is very dear to Krishna. And again, we have... Detachment above duality, our endeavor and focus, our attitude as a servant, and how we relate with others. And Vishnu Chakravati Thakur says, since these qualities arise from sense control, which in turn arises from bhakti, they're not material qualities, because Krishna is pleased by bhakti. And Baladeva says, Krishna is controlled by the persons devoted to him alone, and by the persons devoted solely to the process of bhakti. The most beautiful Krishna is conquered completely by love. So we've gone about five minutes over, seven minutes over. Uh, we could take just a few questions if anyone has any questions. Thank you very much. They were very well behaved. Thank you. Thank you for your patience. We didn't need to have any. They were just... They were not requiring any patience. I'm sure they do sometimes. Any questions, comments? Well, I hope this seminar has intrigued you with the 12th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. And that it will be a chapter that you study and go more deeper into. Yes? Well, let's start with one. I have no idea. Just pick one. Okay, I'll go with the second one. Um, I, I feel like this question will come across as kind of just referring back to like we should always have our mind on Krishna mm. but if we have a job that is going to be like 9 till 5 how can we offer that to Krishna like, don't be attached to that's not silly at all in fact, in fact not only is that not silly but that question is kind of the whole essence of the Bhagavad Gita and Arjuna asks this question in many forms over and over again he says, you're telling me to do Buddha yoga, and then you're telling me to fight a war. I don't, I don't get it. If I'm going to think of you, don't I have to not work? The, and it was more than 9 to 5, I think, the battle. It went on longer than 9 to 5. And, and it was probably more mentally taxing than whatever you might be doing for that. Not yet. I, I, I have a feeling that having people try to kill you and trying to kill them is a little bit more mentally taxing than most jobs that people do. It requires a lot of mental focus. And Krishna still says, Mama Nusram Yujicha. But Arjuna had a hard time with this. He, he was saying, you know, well, if, if I'm just going to think of you all the time, then shouldn't I quit my job and, and leave my family and go to the forest and meditate? And at one point, Krishna says, sure, you can do that. Go to the forest, sit on deer skin, stare at the tip of your nose, say, Om, put your life here at the top of your head. And Arjuna goes, I don't think that's going to work. Um, 
But the whole Bhagavad Gita is about how to work in the world and think of Krishna at the same time. So how does one do that? Well, there's several answers to that question. One is that we develop attachment for Krishna because we will think about whatever we're attached to. Believe me, there are people at their nine-to-fives thinking about their wife or their husband or their kid or their mother or their father or the football score or something like that, even while they're doing their job. Yes? Yes? Am I right? And they may be doing their job quite well, and they're still their mind is absorbed in what they're attached to. Yes? Am I right? And haven't we all done that? Haven't we all been doing our job and maybe even doing it quite well? But our mind is absorbed in something that we're attached to, either positive or negative. So that's part of the answer. Another part of the answer is making a, a vision of how you're offering that to Krishna. And how are you offer, what are you offering to Krishna? You're offering to Krishna the results you get, which will be, of course, the money, but also the satisfaction that you're getting in the work. How you're dealing with everybody. Krishna says we're dear to him if we're a kind friend to all living entities. Are you dealing with living entities in your nine to five? Be a kind friend to them. Are you dealing with honor and dishonor and fame and infamy and auspicious and inauspicious things? How are you dealing with them? Are you dealing with objects? How are you dealing with them? Are you dealing with them in a sense of proprietorship or in a sense that Krishna's the proprietor? These verses, 13 through 20, really, this tells you how to offer everything to Krishna in any situation. You know, whether you're taking care of a sick child at two in the morning or you're counting, you know, notes at the bank or whatever you're doing, you're working in a, a mine or, you know, it doesn't really matter. And to, to have that mood, I, I would say read these verses regularly, especially it's 13 to 20. Am I, am I doing these things? And if I'm doing these things and I'm offering that to Krishna, then I'm very dear to Krishna. The other thing, of course, is to have some time of concentrated uh, engagement in sadhana bhakti. To have, you know, our, to chant 16 rounds or however many rounds you're chanting every day. To have some worship of the Lord, to have some reading of the scriptures. By having some concentrated time where we're wholly and solely only thinking of Krishna, it helps us then to think about him in the rest of the day. It's something like in a family. You know, so in a family... You know, you're, you're out working for your husband or your wife all day. And you also come home and you're with your family members. It's not very satisfying in a family if somebody's out working all day and you never spend any time with them. There's also sometimes that the husband and wife are just together as husband and wife. They're not doing things for each other. They're just with each other. There are sometimes you're not just working for your children. You're just with your children. So what, what we call in ISKCON our sadhana is our time to be with Krishna. It's our time. I'm not really doing anything for Krishna. I'm just being with him. I'm being with him by chanting my job, by chanting my Gayatri, reading the scriptures, worshiping the deity. It's just my time with Krishna. Then when I'm running around doing all kinds of things for him, it's, it's on the basis of that relationship that I have by being with him. So having strong sadhana enables us to do that. And another way, in which we didn't discuss in this class at all, uh, is meditating on the descriptions that Krishna gives in the 7th, 9th, 10th, and 15th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita and throughout the Bhagavatam and the descriptions of the universal form of how Krishna's in our environment, how Krishna's the light of the sun and the light in all luminous objects, how he's all the sounds in ether, how he's the heat and fire which includes in our own body, how he's the air incoming and outgoing, how he's giving us knowledge, remembrance, and forgetfulness how he's the intelligence of everybody, how he's the ability in everybody, and finding Krishna in that. 
that requires some effort to do that. But after a while, it becomes very, very natural. How the clouds or his hair. You know, to, to see Krishna in, in your work, to see Krishna in the, the objects of your work, that he's the super soul in everyone's heart, all the people that you're dealing with, they're all little walking temples. There they are with their best friend walking around. You know, it's, it's a very nice meditation. And, and I have other presentations on this, which I'm not giving here this time. Uh, you can find them on YouTube if you look for The Inner View, I-N-N-E-R, V-I-E-W. If you look for Amila Devi Dasi, Inner View. So I have a series of four um, seminars. And I discuss this, this there, particularly. Those four seminars are especially about how to make my whole life Krishna conscious. So I have one specifically in our sadhana time, one on how to see Krishna in the world, one on how to be spiritually enlivened from what we're doing, and one is how to avoid uh, things that pull us away from Krishna consciousness. So I, I would suggest that. And that's um, one of the books that I'm, that I'm working on is How to See Krishna in the World. You know, how, what does it mean that he's the light of the sun? What does it mean that he's our ability? What does it mean that he's the taste of water? How can we meditate on, on, on him like this? And another book I'm working on is about how to spiritualize your career. How to have your, your career and your job be a source of spiritual energy. So it's not a silly question at all. Did anybody else have a question before we end? Yes. Yeah, I have another question. Um, as, as we have seen that um, um, life is Maya illusion, so therefore uh, one should for the true inside them and themselves. Uh, but ultimately, the world is happening outside mm. mm. like, like the reality you come. Well, well, what's an illusion is our seeing things separate from Krishna. Mm. Krishna says, if you think something has value, if you see it separate from me, it has no reality, know it to be my illusion, the energy, that reflection that appears to me in darkness. Maya is not a thing or a place or an activity. Maya is a state of mind. In uh, Krishna book, chapter 14, Prabhupada writes, Maya exists only within the mind. It's a particular state of consciousness by which we see things separate from Krishna. Now, there are certain activities that tend to put us into that illusion, like meeting, intoxication, listen, sex, gambling, tend to foster this concept that Krishna is separate from everything. But none of those things are actually separate from Krishna. I mean, what, is, what are intoxicants that you take? Marijuana is a plant. Which has, you know, you can use it to make rope, for example. It has some use in relation to Krishna. Or what is alcohol? It's fermenting fruits and vegetables and grains, yeah? So fermenting fruits and vegetables and grains are very useful for compost. And they have some medicinal use. So even those things, you know, meat is the body of an animal. It's not that animals' bodies are, are illusion, or even dead animal bodies. If you eat them, that tends to put you into illusion. It tends to make it so that you don't see the connection anymore between the world and Krishna. If you take intoxicants, if you drink alcohol, it's very difficult to see the connection between the world and Krishna. So therefore, we, we might say, those things are maya. But it's not that they're maya. It's that they tend, those things tend to foster maya. But maya is simply not seeing the connection. 
not seeing Krishna everywhere, not seeing that Krishna is everywhere and in everything. That's Maya. Is that is that clear? Oh yes. Yeah. I, we we should be honest about what sort of things tend to put us into that state of mind, and you know, alcohol is going to do that to pretty much everybody. But we may also have some personal things that tend to make us forget Krishna or tend to make us remember Krishna, which might be different from somebody else. But because of my particular life experiences and my particular personalities, there are certain places or activities or whatever that for me are going to push me to forget Krishna that might not do that to somebody. And what's really interesting is the energy, the energy that allows us to see things separate from Krishna is Krishna's energy. That's really interesting. And Krishna gives forgetfulness. So when we're forgetting Krishna, that ability to forget Krishna is Krishna. So in our forgetfulness of Krishna, Krishna is right there giving us forgetfulness. Sorry, I like these things. I always like these things. Anybody else? You had one more question? Why don't we do that and then we'll end. It was actually based on Manu's question in part two. And he was talking about when people leave, they meet with Garuda and then they enjoy uh-huh. the last time with Krishna. Right. And I was wondering where can I find that piece of information? Like where is uh, as far as I remember, it's in Krishna book where Krishna shows the residents of Vrindavan the spiritual world in the water. And where does he do that? I think it's after the Govardhan Leela. So I'm pretty sure after the Govardhan Leela, Krishna shows the residents of Vrindavan the spiritual world and shows them their destination. Pretty sure. If you look it up between now and tomorrow and it's not there, then I'll go and look it up and find it for you. Pretty sure. Okay, thank you very much. You're the Prabhupada Ki And thank you very much to the people who risked their lives to take care of the technical aspects of things.